Dig a Bit, a podcast for women who want to dig into the meat of God's Word for a bit. We are glad you have taken a few minutes out of your day to listen. Our host is Cindy Colley from thecolleyhouse.org. Now grab your Bible and let's dig in. Hello, I hope you're having a good day. We're going to be talking about John 11 today, so if you want to open your Bibles or Listen, think about it, and open your Bible later when you have a chance to sit down. We're digging from John 11 today, as I promised last night on the February video podcast. There would be one more dig a bit for the month of February, and so we're getting to that today. I love John chapter 11. It's an amazing chapter, so sit back with me. And let's contemplate how that the resurrection of Lazarus became a catalyst. It was the catalyst, as a matter of fact, for the Jews who were really looking for some way to put Jesus on a Roman cross. Lazarus escaped the tomb so that Jesus could eventually escape the tomb. But of course, that really hard... Roman crucifixion had to occur in between Lazarus' resurrection and Jesus' resurrection. And so I believe that it's possible that Jesus and Lazarus even sat down and had a conversation about the purpose of Lazarus' death and of Jesus' miraculous resurrection of Lazarus from the grave. And that purpose was to facilitate the cross just exactly as prophecy had demanded and as our lost souls demanded of a loving father and savior it was a game changer john 11 it was a purposeful catalyst it was the death that became for us the beginning of life everlasting so as we look at um, john chapter 11 we're going to notice some very interesting things lord behold the one whom you love is sick that's john 11 verse 3 therefore his sisters sent to jesus saying lord behold the one whom you love is sick it's important that we remember that jesus loved lazarus that they already he mary and martha and lazarus had a close relationship and so it is that mary and martha and lazarus were willing to do whatever it was they already believed that jesus was the resurrection and the life as we're going to see later from this chapter but i believe that they were willing to participate in whatever the lord's plan was no matter how difficult it was in order to facilitate the cross and that doesn't mean they knew everything about what was going on in the providential mind of god at this time but it is important to know that they loved one another there is so much more than immediately meets the eye in jesus words that we're going to hear later in this chapter lazarus come forth I believe that Jesus was deliberately pushing the right buttons to bring about the anger of his fellow Jews and to bring about the Roman crucifixion. The Father and the Son were orchestrating it here. You know, we read about an orchestration in Exodus 7 through 14, and you'll remember that's the time of the ten plagues in the land of Egypt that was going to facilitate the freeing of the people of God there. Five times, well, actually a total of 15 times, the King James Version references the hardening of Pharaoh's heart. Five times, it merely says that his heart was hardened. 
three times it says that Pharaoh hardened his heart and seven times it plainly says that the Lord hardened the heart now how does the Lord harden the heart when actually a, a wicked ruler is on the throne making his own choices how is it that the Lord is hardening his heart I believe it's just by being God Pharaoh's heart was hardened merely by God's being God and exerting his power and authority, the power and authority that rightfully belongs to the God of the universe. Pharaoh was so unrighteous and prideful that he could not stand to have God be stronger than he was. So it is a collaborative effort here. Pharaoh and God are hardening the heart of Pharaoh. A similar thing happened in the execution of Jesus. According to scripture, there was this one pivotal moment when Jesus intentionally, as well as his father, intentionally brought the crucifixion about just by being who he was, the Son of God. Just by showing his power and authority, even over death, he made some people so angry so he in a sense hardened the heart of these jews and yet it was a collaborative effort they became angry because of their own pride and sinful condition their own jealousy and thus the cross was facilitated so john chapter 11 begins a certain man was sick named lazarus Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha, and it was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So therefore his sister sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, the one you love is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, this is key, verse 4, this sickness is not unto death, but it is for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby jesus here tells us that the purpose of lazarus sickness and death is so that jesus himself might be glorified let's look at that word glorified look at john 12 verse 16 this is after lazarus was raised from the dead it says these things understood not his disciples at the first but when jesus was glorified then remembered they that these things were written of him and that he had done these things unto him there was a moment in time in which jesus was going to be glorified and then his disciples were going to look back and understand some things know what some things meant that they had not previously known john 12 verse 23 and Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. John twelve twenty seven. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. And he says, I could say that, but it is for this cause that I came to this hour. Again, John 13, verse 1. Now, before the feast of the Passover, Jesus' crucifixion is getting very near now. When Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them to the end. Compare that with John 17, verse 1. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son 
that thy son also may glorify thee. Jesus knew in John 13, 1, that his hour was come that he should depart out of this world. That is clearly talking about the cross. He was going to leave this world for paradise. And then John 17, 1 says, the hour has come. Go ahead and glorify your son so that you also may be glorified. Do you see the connection there between the words glorify in the life of Jesus and the hour is come or the hour is not yet come? The cross was a glorification of the, son, of the Father through the Son. And he speaks of that throughout his life as an hour which is to come in which the Son of God will be glorified. To emphasize the importance of the raising of Lazarus, let's think about the hour is come. Multiple, multiple times in the New Testament, Jesus referenced his crucifixion as his hour or his time. Sometimes Jesus wouldn't do a thing because he knew that it would bring about his death before the appointed time. And he would say, my hour is not yet come. Remember the time when Jesus turned the water into wine in John 2 verse 4 and he said to his mother, I think he said this with a twinkle in his eye, woman, what have I to do with thee? My hour is not yet come. And in John 7 verse 8, to his brothers who were urging himself to show himself publicly at the Feast of the Tabernacle, Jesus said, Go you up to the feast, still early in his ministry. Go you up to this feast. I'm not going up yet to this feast, for my time is not yet full come. John 7 verse 30, They sought to take him, but no man laid hands on him, because his hour was not yet come. To the Pharisees, after he dismissed that woman taken in adultery in John 8, verse 20. These words spoke Jesus in the treasury as he taught in the temple, and no man laid hands on him, for his hour was not yet come. And then he gets to John 11, and Lazarus is raised up. And now it's a different story. The enemies from that day forward are looking to kill Jesus. And after John 11, he's not going to speak again about his hour being in the future. It will always be now. It will always be in the present. John 12, 23, Jesus said, The hour is come that the man of God should be glorified. John 12, 27, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say, Father? Save me from this hour? Oh, no. It was for this cause that I came to this hour. John 13, 1, now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of the world. John 17, 1, these words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. Jesus is saying that Lazarus' sickness doesn't really have death as its purpose, but it was arousing the forces. It was troubling the waters. It was agitating those chief priests and Pharisees, which were going to eventually and very soon bring about his crucifixion. So Jesus went down to Bethany where Lazarus, and remember also that the disciples said basically, Lord, shouldn't we hurry on down there? And Jesus said, 
Let's, let's look at John 11 and read this beginning in verse 5. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And when he heard, therefore, that he was sick, he stayed two days, still in the same place where he was. Then after that, said he to his disciples, let's go to Judea. And his disciples said, Master, the Jews are looking to stone you. And are you going to go there again? And Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walks in the day, he stumbles not, but he sees the light of the world. But if a man walks in the night, he stumbles because there's no light in him. These things he was saying, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, But Lord, if he's asleep, he's, he's doing well. He will recover. Howbeit, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought he had spoken of taking rest and sleep. Then said Jesus to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your sakes that I wasn't there, to, in, to the intent that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then said Thomas, who's called Didymus, and to his fellow disciples, this is kind of typical of Thomas, let us also go that we may die with him then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nigh to Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. But then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went out and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had just been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatever you ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said, well, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. But Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection. In other words, you are in the presence of the resurrection. I am the resurrection and the life, and he who believes in me, though we were dead, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, The Master has come, and he's calling for you. And as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Let's take a break there and we'll come back to the passage but it's very interesting to notice that Jesus intentionally waited until Lazarus was dead and he waited until such a time that when he came to the grave of Lazarus he was going to have been four days dead remember Martha later is going to say but Lord by now he stinks Jesus intentionally waited Jesus purposefully waited so that the impact of this miracle that he was about to do, an undeniable resurrection from the dead after four days in the tomb, this was not a child as Jairus' daughter had been. This was an intentional four-day death so that Jesus could raise him from the dead, thus threatening the pride and arrogance of the Jews that were standing by watching, many witnesses watching, so that this miracle could not be denied. And the, the position of the scribes and Pharisees as being the religious 
leaders, the political leaders of the day was going to be so threatened that they were going to feel that they had to kill Jesus, get rid of Jesus. In fact, we're going to find out that they even felt like they were going to have to get rid of the evidence that was presented by Lazarus and they were going to have to kill Lazarus too. This was going to be an incident that incited the Jews to wrath against the Son of God and it was going to facilitate the death that in turn would facilitate the resurrection that forever put down our enemy, which is death and Satan. So Jesus cried at the grave, John eleven thirty five. We're almost there, so let's read down to there. Jesus wasn't yet coming to the town, but he was in that place where Martha met him. And the Jews then, which were with her in the house and comforted her, when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goes to the grave to weep there. So when Mary was then come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying, Lord, if you had just been here, my brother had not died. And when Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled and said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Verse 35, the shortest verse in your New Testament, says Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. I'm sure that Jesus was weeping simply because he had a, a warm and tender relationship with Lazarus. He saw grief on the faces of the people he loved, Mary and Martha. He saw the disbelief in the eyes of some of the Jews, so that could have been one of the reasons that he wept, because we know he stood out over the city of Jerusalem in another place and wept over the state of the lost, rebellious Jews. But he could have had his eye on the cross, and I believe that he did. And we know that later he was going to weep bitter tears just before his crucifixion in the Garden of Gethsemane. I believe he had his eye on the cross. I believe he knew that this was a significant moment in the redemption of mankind and that he was about to have to pay the ultimate price, the separation from his father, in a sense, the painful physical agony that was going to occur on the cross was about to be a reality for him. Could this be one more reason that Jesus wept before he commanded Lazarus to come out of the grave? Hebrews 5, 7 says, Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his godly fear. Jesus cried because of Calvary. We know that. Could that have been one of the reasons that Jesus wept in John eleven thirty five? Now let's go ahead and read beginning in verse 36. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. And some of them said, Couldn't this man who opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Jesus, therefore, again groaning in himself, comes to the grave. It was a cave, and a stone lay on it. And Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead says to him, Lord, by this time he stinks, for he's been dead for four days. And then Jesus said to her, Did I not say unto you that if you would believe, you should see the glory of God? And then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you 
that you have heard me. And I knew that you hear me always, but because of the people who stand by, I said it, that they might believe that you have sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound, hand and foot with grave clothes. We could go ahead and say he that had been dead four days came forth, bound, hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. I imagine the gasps that were occurring. Jesus said to them, Loose him and let him go. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. But some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told the Pharisees what things Jesus had done. Listen closely. Verse 47, Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, What are we going to do? This man does many miracles. If we let him alone, all men are going to believe on him. And the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. And one of them, named Caiaphas, being the high priest that same year, said to them, You know nothing at all. You're not even considering that it's expedient for us that that this one man should die for the people and that the whole nation wouldn't have to perish. And so this he spake not of himself, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus should die for that nation and not for that nation only, but that he should also gather together in one the children of God that were scattered abroad. Caiaphas didn't even know what was coming from his mouth. He said, it's okay if we just let this man die so that the whole nation won't have to perish at the hands of the Romans. We're about to be in trouble because an insurrection is about to happen. Just let, let's let this man just die. He didn't even know what he was saying, but he was prophesying that Jesus was going to die, not just for the Jews, but that he was going to gather together in one, the children of God that were scattered abroad. Great example here of someone who wasn't even righteous being used in the providence of God. So from that day forth, verse 53, from that particular day forth, they took counsel together to put Jesus to death. So Jesus couldn't walk any more openly among the Jews, but went thence into a country near to the wilderness, into a city called Ephraim, and there continued with his disciples. So we read here that Jesus knew from this time that they were counseling to put him to death. He always knows what's in the hearts of men. From that day on, verse 53, they plotted to put him to death. I think about Jesus and Lazarus before Lazarus' death. What conversations are recorded? We don't have any recorded, but we know there must have been some conversations between these close friends before the death of Lazarus. Can you imagine maybe Jesus and Lazarus talking together? Lazarus, I, I need you to do something for me. Sure, Lord. Can you imagine that Jesus might have said, you're going to get sick and you're going to die and I'm going to raise you from the dead for this mighty sign? Why would, why would Jesus need to have this talk with Lazarus? Because after it's over, Lazarus is going to have to promise not to talk about what he's seen on the other side. Paul looked into the third heaven, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, how he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words but he wasn't allowed to talk about it he said it was it's not lawful for a man to utter these things you know you might live in a place as i do in huntsville alabama where a lot of people have top secret clearance in their jobs 
I, I've talked to many people and I've asked them, well, what do you do at work? If I tell you, I'd have to kill you. That's really the way that it is in many of the jobs at NASA, at Redstone Arsenal. Sometimes we are privy to things that we're really excited about. We want to talk to people about them, but we can't talk about them because we don't own the information or because we're in a secret clearance. I think Lazarus might have been in a top security clearance at this time. Imagine how difficult it would be for Lazarus not to talk about paradise. Imagine the myriad. Of, he was there for four days. Imagine people trying to, and we know they did try to travel and talk to Lazarus. Imagine the questions. Did, did you see my husband there? Did you see my child who, who died last year? Did, what did God look like? Well, what was your body like, Lazarus? We have to remember that God is always as wise in his reservations as he is in his revelations. He tells us enough to, to give us faith, to make our faith grow. And he holds back enough to give our faith scope for wonder, for anticipation, for hope of that time when all will be made clear. The first thing that Lazarus said to Jesus maybe when he was raised back up was Jesus. This is hard. I, I can just imagine something coming from Lazarus' mouth because he had spent four days in bliss. Imagine him saying, Jesus, this is hard. I wish I didn't have to come back. This was a big thing that Lazarus had done as a catalyst to the cross. I'm not so sure that there were not conversations prior and then conversations, I'm pretty sure there were conversations afterwards. Chapter 12 talks about a Lazarus who is very much alive, but whose life was in danger. Verse 1, Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus, who had been dead, was, whom he raised from the dead. Jesus came back had a conversation with Lazarus. I wonder how that went. Verse 2. There they made him a supper and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of those people who was sitting at the table with Jesus. They sat down at the table after Lazarus came back from the dead. John 12 verse 9, same chapter. Many people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there. And they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. Lazarus became quite a celebrity. If it was in our day, of course, he would be appearing on television. He'd be on CNN. He'd be on Fox News. He'd be on The View. He'd be on uh, the whatever the shows are, I don't watch much television, but whatever the shows are that are the annals of the incredible, then Lazarus would have been there. John 12, if, if Christ had permitted him to. But of course, Lazarus wasn't going to talk about this. John 12, verse 10, but the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death. Imagine the tr chief priests standing out on the road somewhere between Jerusalem and Bethany 
watching the hordes of people come and try to crowd into that little house in Bethany so that they might see a man who had been raised from the dead who had been in the grave for four days. There are some things in the Bible that make the sacrifice that Jesus made all the more meaningful. I, I, I really don't like to sing that song that we sing that has the word where the blood of Jesus Christ was spilt. S-P-I-L-T is in there. And really that word is in our English today would be spilled. I, I know that that's an innocent thing, but his blood wasn't really spilled. His blood was intentionally poured. He wasn't just a martyr in the sense that we think about one who dies in defending a cause. He came from heaven, leaving the streets of gold, the place where there was no sickness, death, dust, disease. He came on purpose to die. And he actually knew that when he, he knew all things, but he knew that when he raised Lazarus from the dead, he was doing that, which would bring about his own death. Hmm. Why did my Savior come to earth and to the humble go? Why on the cross be lifted up? Purposefully, intentionally, because he loved me so If there's anybody, any woman within the sound of my voice who is not a Christian, I would pray that the kind of love Jesus had in John 11 that made him weep would motivate you to obey his gospel. John 12, 32, the same chapter from which we've been reading says, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. The raising of Lazarus, I believe, was a purposeful, intentional push of the button, the red button, that would lead very shortly to the cross, to which Jesus knew he must go for Cindy Colley believe he purposefully delayed his coming so that Lazarus could have been in the grave for those four days so that the miracle could not be discounted so that the Jews would be amazed so that they would go to the chief priests and Pharisees so that the Pharisees would become afraid and angry and plot to kill Jesus so that the garden the cross, the tomb, the witnesses after the tomb would become a reality. So that Jesus would ascend back to his Father, and as John 14 says, he would prepare a place for me. It was intentional. And praise God that he has been lifted up from the earth, and that he is drawing people of all nations unto him. Thanks so much for listening to today's Dig a Bit. It is the last day of February as I'm speaking, so get really busy. And on March 27th, we will have the video podcast for the study for the month of March. We will have four Dig a Bits in between now and then for the study on the month of March. 
And I want to just encourage you too, if you've hung in here for this long, you're halfway through. You're a little bit, you might be a little bit over halfway through by the time you're listening. I don't believe those of us who have stuck with the study for this six months are going to give up now. I think we're going to make it to the end having completed the study. And we're not going to be better off because we did this study by Cindy Colley. Oh no, we're going to be better off because we've been in the Word of God. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a great day. If you find yourself in Huntsville, Alabama, we'd love for you to worship with us at West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence, 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest. Sunday morning worship begins at 9 a.m., followed by Bible classes for all ages. We meet again at 5 p.m. for evening worship and at 7 on Wednesday night. Digabit is a production of Digging Deep in God's Word, a Bible study for women. For more information, visit thecolleyhouse.org.